SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are live on Football Full Circle right here on the SportsGrid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel One. 59. It's a good day if your name is Joe Lisi, and that is who he is, and I am Ben Stevens. Joe Lisi, week number 11 of this NFL regular season, starting on a Thursday night in the frozen tundra that was Lambeau Field. And it seems, Joe, the Green Bay Packers season is frozen, or at least can be put on ice as the Packers lose outright last night to the Tennessee Titans as a three-and-a-half-point favorite 27-17. So now Joe Tennessee gets their seventh win of the year, improving to seven and three straight up. And they have covered in eight straight games, by the way. Green Bay, meanwhile, Joe, three games below 500, just four and seven right now. What was your main takeaway from a Thursday night at Lambeau? Yeah, that Tennessee finds ways to win football games, right? It's not pretty, but all they do is they grind it out, and at the end of the day, they have a W on the scoreboard. That's all that matters. The recipe to win on the road, Ben, and we talk about it in college in the NFL, run the football, sustain drives, win the turnover battle, and more times than not, you're going to be standing in the end, and that's exactly what they did. They got a 130-yard performance out of Derrick Henry, not just running the football, but, oh, by the way, T. Tim Tebow-esque with the touch pass on the goal line and that defense really shut down Aaron Rodgers for much of the first half, allowed them to build the lead and then by then in the fourth quarter the offensive line took over. So you know, it's not pretty. They got good quarterback play out of Ryan Tannehill. And at the end of the day, Derrick Henry, as he goes, so does the team in terms of the wins and losses. And at the end of the day, they are definitely going to be a contender come January. Let's focus on Tennessee first, Joe, because we like to highlight positivity here on FFC. Derrick Henry was under his rushing yards prop of 104 and a hook, his second consecutive game that he did not go over 100 yards after four straight prior to that, but still 28 carries, well over his rushing attempts prop that was 21 and a half for 87 yards and a touchdown. He has scored 10 touchdowns in the first 10 games for Tennessee this year, but also had two grabs for 45 yards. And Joe, as you mentioned and you heard as we welcomed everybody to the show, Derrick Henry also threw a touchdown on that Tim Tebow-like jump pass to Austin Hooper, who was wide open in the back of the end zone. So that is what Derrick Henry is, the key significant piece to this offense. Ryan Tannehill, though, was sensational last night as well. 22 of 27, 333 passing yards. His passing yards prop, Joe, was a buck 84 and a half. It is the first time Tannehill has gone over 300 yards this year, the first time since week number 12 of 2021. And here we are yet again, Joe. With the Tennessee Titans, the number one overall seed in the AFC, on that positive trajectory. They lost their first two games of the year. They have now won seven of their last eight. They have covered in all eight of those football games. They have won outright in three of the four games they have covered as an underdog. Like you said, it might not be the prettiest, although last night was very impressive on the road in Green Bay. But Tennessee wins football games led by their head coach, Mike Vrabel. And Joe, they seem to be on the up and up once again. 
Yeah, I mean, again, offensive defensive lines are really coming into form. We saw Robert Woods get involved in terms of the passing game as well. Ryan Tannehill is an effective passer when they can run the football team, stack the box, and then he could work off a of play action, expecting him to carry this team solely with his arm, especially in January. That's not going to be the recipe for the, for the team to get to the AFC Championship. So we'll see how it plays out. But at the end of the day, Derrick Henry, 80, 87 yards on the ground. He catches two balls, right, but breaks a big one down the sidelines. He puts his team in a position to just win matchups. And when you win the turnover battle and the front seven is getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, that is the recipe to win. Now, can it, can, it can only take you to a certain point. At some point in the in terms of the, the season, right, Like just like it was a few years ago when they got to the championship against Pat Mahomes, it will fall on Ryan Tannehill to take the next step and elevate this team, and that's the concern, big picture, for the Titans. But they're getting it done, best team in right. the division, and one of the top teams in terms of the AFC right now. A minus 750 favorite to win the AFC South. Of course, if they win the division for a second straight year, they will host a playoff game for a second straight year. They did not win their playoff game a season ago, despite sacking Joe Burrow nine times, but that is the next step for Tennessee. And Joe, their odds in the AFC better as well. $5 taken off their price, 18 to 1 entering last night. 13 to 1 now as they get going here the rest of this weekend. On the other side, Joe. The Green Bay Packers are three games below 500. The Green Bay Packers on the FanDuel Sportsbook, a plus 560 number, Joe, to reach the NFC playoffs. Is there any hope for the Green Bay Packers to get to the postseason? Uh, major help. I mean, when you look at the NFC East and those teams that are now jumbled together, including Washington, it's going to be very difficult for Green Bay to knock down that door. And they're now five games behind the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North as the Vikings get ready to go here in week number 11. We'll preview the Sunday slate in just a little bit here on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are back on Football Full Circle. The second-to-last Saturday of the college football regular season is on the horizon. Joe, we've gone through some of the marquee matchups for the Week 12 slate in CFP. Let's go around the country now and take a look at some other games, some that will have huge impacts on races in conference championships, including in the Big Ten. Let's start with the Floyd of Rosedale rivalry matchup between the Hawkeyes and the Golden Gophers. Minnesota hosts Iowa, Joe Lisi, as a short two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. But the reason we bring up this game first and foremost, Joe, it is going to be a cold, blustery day there in the Twin Cities. In the over-under right now, Lisi, that total stands at 32 in a half. If it closes there at 32 in a hook, it will be the lowest ever recorded FBS versus FBS over under since these numbers started being tracked in 1995. History Joe Lisi on the line with the Floyd of Rosedale trophy also on the line between Iowa and Minnesota. Great game last year. I don't know if you caught it on the Big 10 network, oh. but this game went right wait, down wait, wait, who to you the asking? final 
<laughs> Who are you asking if I caught it? Come on. I had to ask you. I know. So so this game goes right down to the wire last year. Tanner Morgan backed up to the goal line. They get a safety 27-22. Not only does Iowa win at home, they get the cover as basically a closing favorite at three and a half. Unbelievable game back and forth, right? But they've won seven straight in the series, and Iowa gets the victory over Wisconsin last week. The running game was not there, but it was the defense that carried them. But I really like the way Minnesota plays at home. They're 5-1 and one at home. They're running the football. They rush for over 300 against Northwestern. I know it's Northwestern, but I still have more confidence in P.J. Fleck rowing the boat in Minneapolis than I do I- Iowa on the road with Spencer Peters. And that's not a knock, mm. but we know what you get with Iowa, right? Very inconsistent, and I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers. I know they lost seven straight, but I think they bounced back in a big way. The fact that they're short favorites, I like that. I'm going to lay the two and a half tomorrow afternoon. It is interesting, right? A series dominated in this rivalry as of late by the Iowa Hawkeyes. Two brands of football, Joe Lisi, that almost look cookie cutter in carbon copies of one another. Michigan is the best scoring defense in the country, but four of the five best scoring defenses in college football hail from the Big Ten, including Minnesota, who is the fourth best scoring defense, only allowing 13 points per game, and Iowa the fifth best scoring defense allowing less than 14 points per game. Now, Joe, because the style of play is so similar, that's why you get a 32 and a half point total. It will be very interesting to see who is the starter at quarterback for Minnesota. Tanner Morgan has missed the last couple of weeks. Will he be back for this football game against the Hawkeyes? But because the style of play, Joe Lisi, is so similar, I think the one advantage in this football game is going to be on the ground. Minnesota has a better rushing offense, for sure, with Muhammad Ibrahim, who has ran for at least 100 yards in 18 consecutive games, dating back to the 2019 season for the Golden Gophers. But Iowa's rushing defense is much better than that of Minnesota. Iowa is a top 10 rushing defense. In fact, the eighth best rushing defense in college football, only allowing 88.6 points per game. Minnesota giving up more than a buck oh six Joe on the ground could that be the discernible edge for this Iowa team that yes has been inconsistent this season Joe but finding a little bit more of a groove offensively here the last couple of weeks on this winning streak and Joe the Big Ten West is a wonderful division a wonderfully wacky division both Iowa and Minnesota are four and three there are other two teams in the conference that are also four and three with their Big Ten record that would be Purdue and that would also be the Illinois fighting Illini a huge test Joe for Illinois upcoming on Saturday as well the Illini hit the road to take on Michigan the Wolverines a 17 and a half point favorite a three score favorite Joe with an over under at 41 in a hook. Of course, Michigan cannot overlook Illinois, but everything that awaits for the Wolverines next weekend in Columbus in the game against Ohio State. That is where the season for Michigan will be made. But Joe, what do you make of this matchup here between the Maize and Blue and the Illini? 
I like the dog here. Now, I know everything points to Michigan, how dominant they are at home over the last two years, 14-0. They're actually 13-0 every time they rush for over 200. We know that they did that yet again last week against Nebraska. Totally manhandled them on both sides of the ball, but there's a potential look ahead with Ohio State. And the fact that Illinois has lost two straight, and the fact that their secondary still is the strongest part of that defense, I think they're going to be in the ball game. I think they look to take away Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in this matchup, force J.J. McCarthy to beat them over the top, and that's where I think they have a defensive advantage. This secondary, Ben, as you know, has forced 17 ter- uh, interceptions this year. 26% third down defense. 50% completion percent. Not going to be easy for Michigan to challenge them over the top. We knew about Purdue last week because of how they run their offense with Jeff Brum. This is different with Michigan. They run first, throw second. So we'll see how it plays out. 17 and a half is a huge number with a potential look-ahead spot with Ohio State. I don't know if they win. I think they'll be there. But give me Illinois to be well within this number Saturday afternoon in the big house. Again, look at the total and correlated to the spread. 17.5 points with an over-under of 41.5. Illinois has been a top-five defense in every metric all season long and still up there in rushing defense as well. Michigan is the best scoring defense, the best total defense, the best rushing defense in all of college football right now, but styles make fight, right, Joe? So when you look at this game, there is the potential of Illinois just keeping it within that large margin because there might not be all that many possessions or points on the board. Board. For Michigan to cover as a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, what does that look like, Joe? 21-3? 24-3? Like, that's the barometer here in terms of keeping Illinois below a number and still being able to cover more than a three-score spread. And Illinois can still rock it as well. Blake Corum, his rushing yards prop, 123-and-a-half. The outstanding running back for Michigan, 111 in a hook for Chase Brown, the nation's leading rusher. Was banged up a little bit at the end of last week's game for the Illini against Purdue, but he seems like he will be good to go against the Wolverines tomorrow. By the way, Purdue, that fourth team that has a 4-3 and three conference record in the Big Ten West, a 17-and-a-half point favorite at home in West Lafayette against Northwestern on Saturday. Joe, I did the numbers, so nobody else needs to. It's a four-way tie atop the Big Ten West. Again, Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, and Minnesota, all at four and three in Big Ten play. The easiest path, in my opinion, at least based on the odds, is Purdue. If Purdue wins out, Joe, they beat Northwestern and Indiana in their final two games, and Iowa loses again, well, then Purdue wins the Big Ten West. Iowa wins the West if they beat Minnesota and Nebraska in their final two games, and they need another Illinois loss, which they're a 17-and-a-half-point dog against Michigan. Illinois would win the West if they beat Michigan in Northwestern and Purdue loses one more game. But again, Purdue is going to be a favorite, a pretty big favorite in their games against Northwestern and Indiana to end the year. Minnesota has the hardest path, Joe, to a divisional crown. They need to beat Iowa and Wisconsin, two trophy rivalry games in their final two, and they need both Illinois and Purdue to lose again. Don't ask me, Joe, what all the tiebreaker (laughs) scenarios are. That's what I have it at this moment. 
Can you say it again? Uh, I mean, yeah. here, here's all I know. I, I, I think yeah. we're going to have to wait till the, obviously, the weekend after Thanksgiving to see how this plays out. But at the end of the right. day, I do feel the winner of this game tomorrow, not the, meaning the uh, Minnesota-Iowa game, I think we'll have the inside yeah. track. I mean, that's just the way I view it. I think just looking at it, where we are in terms of Week 12, I believe those are the two best teams playing right now. You know, even though Purdue got the victory, and I'm still going to lean with Minnesota, thinking that they right. steal the conference uh, division somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. It's a tough path. They would need a lot to help them there with two rivalry games to end it. Iowa, Joe, did beat Purdue earlier this year, so the Hawkeyes don't really care what the Boilermakers do here down the stretch. More FFC up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are back on FFC. Live right here on the SportsGrid Radio Network, Sirius XM, Channel 159. Time to do what we do, Lisi, to end out the week. It's run around the NFL Sunday slate for week Number 11. Joe, the big news in the NFL this week, a storyline we have all been following, the weather situation in western New York. A ton of lake effect snow expected. It has already started. They have already received near three feet of snow already. So because of that, Joe, and more expected on the way, the NFL making the wise decision, in my opinion, to move the game out of a precaution of safety from Buffalo to Detroit for the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. By the way, the Bills play the Detroit Lions in the Motor City on Thursday of next week. That would be Thanksgiving. So although, Joe, we won't have that snow game that we all desired, I think it was the right call to make sure every Everybody, teams, staffs, operational crews, all of that, fans that maybe wanted to go to the game healthy, safe, and warm. So that was the right call in my mind. Yeah, it was. I mean, the Armageddon. I mean, I never heard of yeah. six feet of snow in one, like Thunder let alone snow. in one in in two hours. That that has yeah. to be the biggest snowstorm in the history uh, of the world. I mean, unbelievable when you just think about it. But at the end of the day, they move the game. It fits in terms of the logistics for the Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions, and that's what it's all about. But it you know it actually benefits Buffalo to a capacity in the sense of if you think about it. The running game would have been benefited in terms of Cleveland if it was a, a, a whiteout for the most part. So maybe the, maybe the Buffalo Brills did, in fact, get a little bit of a break playing in a dome as opposed to playing on a, a, a you know, in terms of a, a wet or snowy track with a team that can run the football and pound the rock with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, absolutely so. And, Joe, we've seen that reflected in the odds movement here. The Bills and the Browns in this football game. Buffalo has been around a 7.5, 8.5-point favorite all week long. Buffalo, of course, trying to snap a two-game losing skid. But, Joe, when we expected this game to be played in the thunder-snow environment, in those very wintry conditions in Buffalo, New York, the total came all the way down to 41.5, right? Points at a premium, hard to move the football, hard to score, probably 
relying more on the ground game, making it slower paced as they go dashing through all of that white powder on the ground. The total was only 41 and a hook. Now we move it to the Motor City in Ford Field, a covered environment, perfect football environments. And the total, Joe, is already up by eight points from 41 and a half to 49 in a hook for the Bills and the Browns. Lisey, does the change in scenery change your thoughts on the overall outcome of this game? It does. I think we'll have, obviously, an over now. I I think the fast track will benefit Josh Allen. It'll benefit the passing attack. The fact that they lost the way they did to the Minnesota Vikings. they got to be chomping at the bit to get out there and take care of business against a team that got absolutely boat raced by my Miami Dolphins, right? I mean, I actually thought Cleveland would be able to to go toe-to-toe because of the rushing attack on the road. I mean, I think that's the one thing that we could say travels well, and they they fell behind behind before you could even blink to Tua and the offense of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. So you got to believe that Josh Allen wants to start fast in this matchup, not utilize his legs, utilize Gabe Davis, utilize Stephon Diggs, Singletary in in terms of the rushing and passing game, Dawson Knox. Let's start fast and force, you know, a journeyman quarterback in Jacoby Brissett to to match a score for score. And obviously on a fast track, I don't think they could do it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Joe. My handicap for this game, I was looking at it initially from a prop perspective, and Josh Allen. He's the Bills' leading rusher this year. He averages 53 yards per game. He has had 84 and 86 in the last two weeks on the ground, and Cleveland has given up 195 to Miami last week, 131 as the 10th worst rushing defense in all of the league on average all season long. So I looked at Josh Allen in the snow game thinking, all right, they're going to run the football, give it to their freight train who operates like a Lamborghini in Josh Allen. But I still feel the same way, Joe. Points are going to be expected. Offensive affair, a higher number. Give me Josh Allen when that prop becomes available. So that was a big storyline to follow, Joe. An intriguing game now in Detroit for Buffalo and Cleveland. It will be interesting to see what the Bills do on the short week ahead of the Thanksgiving matchup against the Detroit Lions. If they just stay in Detroit, if they head back for a practice or two and then fly back to Detroit, all a very interesting situation. But, Lisey, another game that I find incredibly intriguing, the Minnesota Vikings, the team that knocked off Buffalo last week in overtime in western New York, is a a one-and-a-half-point dog, Joe, against the Dallas Cowboys. Minnesota tied for the best record in the NFL, 8-1 and alongside the Philadelphia Eagles, a a one-and-a-half-point dog at home. Lisey, who would you make the favorite in this game? I, well, I mean, I think it, it deserves to be a pick. I think there's going to be an emotional letdown for the Minnesota Vikings here. I really like Dallas in this matchup. I have no problem laying the one and a half on the road going up against Kirk Cousins. I, I really don't. I think that Dallas is a, will match up well. Let's not forget, they caught six and a half with Cooper Rush. Last year, they beat them at on the road as well without Dak Prescott. So you got to believe that with Dak Prescott, they could go toe-to-toe with one of the most explosive of offenses in the NFC. I know Justin Jefferson is on pace for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I get that. But Dallas has some playmakers, too. C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard. And their Mm. defense, I think, is much better than the Minnesota Vikings, even though they got exposed last week by Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's going to happen two weeks in a row. 
The, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have given up over 200 yards on the ground in back-to-back games. Maybe keep an eye on Dalvin Cook's rushing yards prop. And, yeah, Joe, we're making a deal, or at least I am, out of the fact that Minnesota is a home underdog in this game against Dallas. But it's just a point-and-a-half spread. And on the money line, Dallas minus 126, Minnesota plus 108. So should be a competitive game. This is a spot the Vikes are very familiar with. Of course, an 8-1 and record. Seven consecutive wins. All seven of those wins decided by single digits. So if the game is close, Minnesota Minnesota has showed that resolve all season long. All right, let's continue rolling around the NFL for the Week 11 Sunday slate. Joe, in Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon, the Cincinnati Bengals visit the Steelers as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bengals fresh off the bye. Still no Jamar Chase for Cincy and Joe Burrow. But it's an interesting number, Joe, because how do we feel about Cincy? At this point, have they righted the ship? They're a game above 500, taken on a divisional foe that has had their number even in that first week of the year when Pittsburgh went to Cincy and won outright as a seven-point underdog. What do you make of this game, Jim? I still like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati you can match up well, even without Jamar Chase and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fact that now Joe Burrow seems like he's zoned in, he's playing more consistent, in my opinion. I know they started slow in that ball game, week number one. Let's not forget the missed extra point, the missed field goal. I mean, yeah. you know, everything went wrong for the Cincinnati Bengals in in the second half of that matchup. But at the end of the day, I'm still not sold on Pittsburgh being a consistent offense and a consistent team. I mean, with Kenny Pickett there, they show glimpses, but it's not consistent, and they have growing pains. So why would I go and take Pittsburgh just because they're a home dog? I think the more consistent offense is Cincinnati. There's a significant upgrade between Burrow and Pickett. And at the end of the day, I mean, I still think Cincinnati's defense is good enough to force some turnovers on the road. So I like Cincinnati here laying a short number. I mean, it's under the key number of four. I, I'm going to lay it with Cincinnati. I think they win this ball game maybe by 10 points. Depending on where you got the consensus line last week for the Steelers and the Saints, also at Acquisher Stadium, Pittsburgh might have even closed slightly as a pick'em favorite in that game against New Orleans, but most of the week booked as a short underdog. The Steelers then have covered in three of their last four as an underdog, winning two of those three outright, which they did against Cincinnati early this year. But the line to me, Joan, takes that into account. I think if you believe in the Bengals, yes, it's over that key number of three right now with the hook added on, but I'd back the Bengals in this spot. Jamar Chase is a huge component of their offense. I'm not taking from that, but Tyler Board and T. Higgins are really, really good as well. Joe, it's a new spot for the Philadelphia Eagles, a new frontier for Philly, if you will. The Birds' first game following a loss. They are now a full touchdown favorite on the road in Indianapolis against the perfect Jeff Saturday, 1-0 during his interim span as the head man for the Colts. Joe, what resolve do you expect to see out of the Eagles as it factors into this game against the Colts? I think they're going to struggle a little bit. I really do. I think the way Washington was able to move the football and sustain drives, I think Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor could do the same thing. The fact that they're playing at home, the fact that Matt Ryan is under center, they found their identity last week. I'm expecting it to continue against a team that, you know, had some signs of weakness last week. Now they have Sue, they have some other you know, uh, D-tackles that they just signed this week, but at the end of the day, I still think the way you attack 
Philadelphia is to be able to run the football. That's what Indianapolis can do in this ball game. If they fall behind, then it's any then it's the Eagles matchup because then obviously the Eagles can score at will on that on that secondary and it's lights out. But I think Indy's going to shorten the game, win this matchup, catching six and a half, seven at home. I think they're a live dog. I don't know if they win, but I think mm. they're well within the number. I think it's at most a field goal game either way. I'm going to be very honest. I think this game reflects the idea that Indy won last week and was inspired under Jeff Saturday in the Eagles' loss. It was 7.5 ahead of the Monday night football game for Philly that they ultimately lost to the Commanders, their first defeat of the year, and then came down to 6.5 for most of this week. The hook added back on now at that key number of 7. I think if you got it under 7, it's a really good number on the birds. We'll continue to dive through the NFL Week 11 Sunday slate up next here on Football Full Circle. Plenty, plenty, plenty of games to get to in some really intriguing spots all across the board. We'll do that next. He's Joe Lisi. I'm Ben Stevens. Come back and join us on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on FFC. Joe Lisi as we get ready for the NFL Sunday slate here. Week number 11, Baker Mayfield makes his return to the starting lineup as the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Against a familiar foe, Joe, that he's known for most of his career, the Baltimore Ravens, of course, during his time with Cleveland and AFC North Divisional rival. The Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday, Joe. A 13-point favorite, fresh off the bye, hosting Baker in the Panthers. Joe, does Baker Mayfield being back for this Carolina team change your thought at all on how this game is going to play out? Absolutely. I mean, I think they're going to win the ball game outright. Ah, no, are you nuts? <laughs> no way. You have no. it going. Yeah. No, I did have you go. No, I, I, I don't think so in any capacity. I mean, here's the thing. I understand Carolina technically still alive for the division, and I get that. They got the victory the last Thursday against Atlanta. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still not a buyer in terms of their defense. I think Lamar Jackson exposes them early and often. The only thing I will say is that maybe Baker does commit a couple of turnovers and we could get that over. So I, I typically, when you see a big spread, the under maybe comes in, maybe I want to say 60, 65% of the time with this type of t- number, 41, 42. I like Baltimore to lay the big number and I like the over to come in because I I don't think that defense is going to be able to contain Lamar Jackson and the rushing attack in this matchup. The exact way I'm looking at this game as well, Mr. Lisi, the Ravens team total over 27 and a half. The fourth best scoring offense in all of the NFL, averaging more than 26 points per game, but 27 and a half is still a high bar for any team to cross. Baltimore has played two consecutive NFC South opponents before their bye week, and they scored 27 in each of those games. So very, very close, and the Panthers are allowing nearly 32 points per game in the last three weeks as they look to obviously build for the future. So that's how I would look at this game. Baltimore's team total over 27 in a hook. Those are former divisional foes, Baker Mayfield against the Baltimore Ravens. Current divisional foes, Joe Lisi, the New England Patriots hosting the New York Jets. They're a three and a half point favorite is New England in Foxborough on Sunday. Joe, the Jets have lost 13 straight against New England. 13 straight 
against those Patriots. What will it take for Gang Green, Lisi, to finally knock off Bill Belichick and the Pats? And uh, there's six feet of snow potentially to come in, into into Foxborough this weekend. There's no way it's going to happen. I don't I don't see it. It's going to come down to the quarterback play. It's going to come down to can New York challenge the secondary over the top? And last time they played, Zach Wilson had three interceptions that cost his ball game, cost his team the ball game. And yep. he doesn't have an answer for Bill Belichick's schemes in terms of reading coverage. And until that. I can't buy in to the New York Jets catching a short number on the road. They're going to have to run the football, and I just don't think they can do it in Foxborough. I think I think they grind out a win. I like the over in this ball game as well. I would lay it with uh, New England and take the yeah. over. I think they get into maybe the mid forties in this ball game. Don't need many points to hit the over of this one. An over under that currently sits at thirty eight and a half. Joe. The New, the New York Jets are a 6-3 and three football team, fresh off the bye as well. The Jets have covered in five of their last six games. The only game they did not was a loss at home against this New England team as a three-point home underdog. So the Patriots look to be in a good spot. And, of course, as Bill Belichick said, the Jets are still the Jets. We're playing the same team. And, frankly, Bill Belichick and the Patriots have had New York's number. A 38.5-point total, Joe, is also the number that we see in New Orleans on Sunday, the Saints and the Rams. Now, Matthew Stafford clearing concussion protocol on uh, Thursday of this week. He will be cleared and is expected to start for this game for L.A. against the Saints. Joe, we talked about this game earlier. Earlier in the week, right? It's two teams that have been really struggling, falling far short of expectation this year. And the Saints are laying three points against the Rams, as both of these teams have only won three games. Joe, I think with Matthew Stafford back, I'd look at the side of LA, even without Kahooper, Mr. Cup, in there for Los Angeles. What say you? So I'm with you. I can't back Andy Dalton in, in laying points with Andy Dalton. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. All things being equal, we know the best weapon for Cooper Cup is, you know, for the Rams is out. I get that. But their backups are still better than the New Orleans Saints offense yeah. and old man Andy Dalton. I don't care that they're playing at home. I don't care that their defense is stepped up, you know, and kept them in ball games. At the end of the day, LA's got to show out. And catching three and a half with Matt Stafford, even if he's 75%, maybe yeah. he can get Higby involved and maybe they can move the football. I still believe in LA and Sean McVay more than I do Andy Dalton and uh, Dennis Allen. So I'm not, I'm not touching this game, but if I had to bet it, I would take the Rams in this matchup. Yeah, Joe, I agree with you, right? Like, I think the Rams are a more talented team and I'm... Listen, Dennis Allen is making the decision that he feels is best. In his first year in New Orleans as the head coach, it has not been a good one. They are 3-7 and seven both straight up and against the spread. The Rams are even a worse cover team, 2-6-1 and one against the number, not covering by an average margin of nearly nine points per game. But Dennis Allen is sticking with Andy Dalton. The reason, Joe, I think you stick with Andy Dalton in favor of Jameis Winston, and Dennis Allen said Jameis is not fully healthy and will not be this year. He's healthy enough to suit up and be their backup in case of emergency, but he's not healthy enough to be a starter on a week-to-week basis. All right, we'll take him for his word. But the reason, at least on the football field, you start Andy Dalton is because he's consistent with the football. He's not putting it in harm's way, which is the fault of Jameis Winston. Except that's exactly what Andy Dalton is doing. 
He has thrown six interceptions in the four last games for New Orleans. He has thrown three in the last two weeks, and he's been sacked six times in the last two weeks, Joe. He's not mobile. He's not getting out of the pocket. And when he does, he's putting the ball up for grabs. So, yeah, maybe Jameis is not there, right, health-wise. And he had multiple fractures in his back, so it would make sense that he's not 100% ready to go. But it's interesting to me, Joe, that Andy Dalton remains the starter, and I think that puts a cap on what New Orleans has this year. I would look at the Rams as the dog in this scenario. Only been booked as a dog six times in the last two years. It's a three-point spread in New Orleans, Joe. It's a three-point spread in Houston. But instead of the home team being favored, it's the Washington Commanders on the road laying that field goal. Ron Rivera telling us this week Taylor Heineke remains the starter in Washington because Carson Wentz is not ready to go. I believe, Joe, as I'm sure you do as well, Heineke has this job for the rest of the year. The Carson Wentz experiment has now come to an end. So, As we get going for this game, Joe, I think Washington land three is an interesting spot here for the commanders and even 500 football team that looks to have a little juice with Heineke at the quarterback position. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, this game smells to me a little bit. It really does. Why is Washington, who's won three straight with the kid, why are they only three-point favorites on the road to to a team that is absolutely horrible? in terms of the Houston Texans. Just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm I'm skeptical of this game. If I did bet this game, I probably would take the uh, the underdog in terms of Houston in this matchup. Something doesn't make sense because Washington is coming in back-to-back row games. They get a marquee win on Monday night, right? Beat the best team in the conference, and now they face the lowly Houston Texans, and they're laying a field goal? Something's not right here, Ben. I like Houston here. I might take them. It all depends on how Saturday goes, as we say. But at the end of the day, I'd buy into the Houston Texans. I even like them plus 138 on the money line. Yeah, it's an interesting spot, Joe. You bring up a good point. And the line was three and a half earlier this week, so that hook has been taken off on that key number of a field goal. But... I really kind of believe in the Commanders. They're a team, Joe, that has won five of their last six games. They are 5-0-1 against the spread in those last six. They're playing good football. And so I look at Taylor Heineke and the Commanders maybe to keep that run going here, even on the road against the Texans. A ton of three-point spreads, Joe, in this Week 11 slate. The Giants at home in MetLife, a three-point favorite against the Lions. Again, it's an interesting number. The New York Giants are a 7-2 and football team. Yes, Detroit has won two straight games, but against the shell of an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers-led team and a Chicago Bears team that can't stop anybody defensively, despite the offense improving. Joe, to me, this line says the market doesn't respect the New York Giants still. They believe it's a little bit smoke and mirrors still. When do you think Big Blue and Brian Dayball will start to earn that respect from the odds makers? Well, I mean, they're favorite now in back-to-back weeks, right? I thought there would be a little chink in the armor in the, in the sense of last week, coming out of a bye week, could they maintain the consistency? I thought Houston could catch them napping a little bit now. You know, they were pushed in terms of the fourth quarter. They still found a way to, you know, grind that victory out. Saquon, what a huge performance. But this is a team in Detroit now. Back-to-back row games, but they're scoring points, right? Yeah. <sighs> it... it I, I, here's the thing. 
We know the Giants are going to be able to run the football a little bit, but Daniel Jones is going to have to make plays, I believe, to potentially outscore Detroit in this matchup, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if he can do it. I'm still not Mm -hmm. sold on the passing attack. I sort of like Detroit here. I like Mm -hmm. the under, though. I do think the under does come in just because, I, I mean, this is a typical game. I think the Giants look to slow it down. Obviously, Detroit wants to run up tempo and put, you know, push. But I like the Lions and the under here in this ballgame. The the Giants, Joe, have been a dead under team. Seven of their nine games this year to the under, including four straight. The Lions are almost the opposite edge of that coin. They have played six of their nine games to an over. I would also look at Saquon Barkley's prop once again for his rushing yards. It is going to be a lofty number. It is going to be at least into the 90s. But the same way I felt about Saquon last week, Joe, against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, that being the Houston Texans, it's the way I feel about this week against the Detroit Lions. I would look at Saquon Barkley against the Lions, who have the second worst rushing defense in the National Football League. And I'll throw in Brian Robinson Jr., by the way, for that same mark against the Houston Texans. This upcoming Sunday, the Texans haven't slowed anybody down on the ground. So again, we keep that theme of three, right, Joe? The Atlanta Falcons and the Chicago Bears. The Falcons hosting the Bears in Atlanta on Sunday. Dirty Birds, Joe, land three. Atlanta kind of returning to what we expected of them this year. What do you think of this game? I think the Bears are live as an underdog. Absolutely. They shouldn't be favored over anybody. I don't care that they're home or not. I know they play a little bit better at home than they do on the road, but this is Justin Fields. He's starting to feel his groove. I know we threw an interception, but I have more confidence in the Bears and their rushing attack than I do Atlanta right now. I'll tell you what, Marcus Mariota is absolutely horrible. If he has to make plays in this ballgame to Pitts and obviously Drake London, he can't hit a wide open receiver. I mean, we saw that last week against Carolina. This is going to be a shootout, maybe. I think it sails through the 49.5, but I'm taking Justin Fields on the road here. Fast track as well. We might as well go over his rushing total. Yeah, I agree. Go over the rushing yards total when it comes out. Atlanta has allowed 13 rushing touchdowns already this year. You could look at Justin Fields finding the end zone, which he has done consistently the last month or so. It's a minus 110 price on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I don't think Atlanta should be a favorite against anybody, Joe, like you mentioned. The Birds started off this year a perfect 6-0 against the spread. They have not covered since that time. Meanwhile, Chicago is covered in three of their last five, booked as a dog. We'll finish off our show today, Joe, with two more games we need to get to here for NFL week number 11. We go rapid fire to end out football full circle up next year on the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're not going to want to miss what Joe Lisi has to say. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, two more games. Joe Lisi, rapid fire to finish out the Week 11 slate on a Sunday for the National Football League. One game we did not get to, Joe, that I'm going to make you pick a winner of. It's desperation time in Denver for both the Raiders and the Broncos. Denver, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in the Mile High City and over-under at 41-and-a-half. Joe, both of these teams need a win. Who gets it? You know, I can't. I'm not sold on Denver. <laughs> not, not, not in any capacity, Ben. I, can't, I said I, mean, I was going to make you do it. 
Nah, it, it, I can't. I can't do it. I don't. I do not think <laughs> Russell Wilson is a good quarterback this year. I, I would. T- I'm taking the horrible Las Vegas Raiders oh. on the road. And we talked about this earlier in the week. I love yeah. the over. Every right. time these teams play, the over potentially comes in. Came in. What was it? Week six? Week five? I think I they sailed through yeah. this total somehow, some way. The Denver Broncos have played the most unders in the National Football League this year. The only team that has played eight unders, eight of their nine games under. The one over against the Raiders earlier this season. All right, Joe, then give me the pick for Sunday night football. The Chiefs now just a four-and-a-half-point favorite against the Chargers in L.A. Tons of market movement. What do you make of it? I'm laying it. I mean, we talk about it. You bet the Chargers in Arrowhead. You bet against them when they're at home. And the, mm-hmm. this is a typical scenario. It'll be close for, like, basically three quarters and, like, almost like another, like, five minutes left to go in the game. And somehow Kansas City will score two touchdowns and cover this line. And the game sails through the 51-and-a-half. So I'm going Chiefs and over the 51-and-a-half in this ball game, Ben. This game has the highest total of the entire NFL Week 11 slate. It is 51.5. When the Chiefs and the Chargers have played, Joe, the last eight meetings, six of the eight decided by single digits. Speaking of how competitive this has been, Patrick Mahomes has taken three of the five when he has faced off against Justin Herbert. He's Joe Lisi. I'm Ben Stevens. That does it for us here on Football Full Circle. Live all across the Sports Grid Radio Network. We will be back next week. Joe, have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful weekend to all of you out there, but keep it locked on the Sports Grid Radio Network.